Welcome to the Self-Fellowship Church Podcast. Here at Self-Fellowship, we exist to help people live in the way of Jesus with the heart of Jesus. Wherever you're listening from today, we hope you are encouraged by this week's message. Good morning. Good morning. Morning. All right. (laughs) Hi, guys. Thank you. Well, four weeks ago, I stood on this stage and told a story of how God's been moving in my life. And I talked about the moments that make us. The moments that if we look back, these are the moments cumulatively that shape and make up our lives. And, and I walked us through the story of Jonathan and his armor bearer facing the, the Philistine army who the scripture records their numbers were as much as the sands on the sea. That's sort of a, a way of saying a whole lot of people. And I took us through this verse, 1 Samuel 14, 6. It's become kind of my life verse. And it's where Jonathan had a decision to make. He either played it safe or he stepped out and embraced the moment that was right in front of him, the the next moment that God put in front of him. And remember, we talked about this, perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. See, Jonathan stepped out in faith. He embraced the moment. And what happened? Well, God showed up and did a very powerful thing. And I challenged us a month ago as a community to take note of those moments that in the past defined us, that make us who we are, and to prepare ourselves for the moment that lies ahead. And I received a lot of feedback from people who took that challenge to lean into the next moment of their lives. There's this one email I want to share from Kelly Whelan that that really blessed me. She said, thank you for your sermon last week. I don't think it was an accident that I spent that morning trying to determine the best name for my son who will arrive any day now. Jonathan was a contender because it's meaning of gift of God. I had forgotten the story and was reminded of the steps of faith it took for this baby to be a possibility. God made a way where there was no way, no resources during our infertility journey. And I remember struggling with not knowing the outcome and moving forward with IVF. Listen to this. This baby was the only embryo. And God has been in control of this child's story from the beginning. This sermon confirmed that this was the right name for this baby as a legacy of faith and a continued challenge to me. He was born yesterday after 56 hours. Wishing you all the best. What a blessing. I don't know about you, I was hung up on the whole 56 hours part. (laughs) Right, ladies? But after that, I was really able to let it sink in and see what a powerful moment in their lives, a powerful moment in beautiful baby Jonathan's life. So today is another one of those moments for me. This is my last Sunday at South, and this is my last sermon here while I'm on staff. And I've spent a lot of time thinking through, what should I talk about? What should I teach on my last sermon here, my farewell sermon? And it's, it's a lot of pressure, as you might imagine, to, to say the right things, to, to sort of sum up all these years Uh, of our relationship together. And and effectively, these are my last words spoken to this community as a staff pastor here. And and I don't want to mess that up like some people do. Some people's last words like this one. I want to die peacefully in my sleep like my grandfather, not screaming in terror like his passengers. (laughs) 
giving that one a minute to sink in, all right? <laughs> they couldn't hit an elephant at this dis. That was General Sedgwick killed at the Spotsylvania Battle, 1864, imprudently looking over the parapet uh, at the enemy lines. Or how about this one? Somebody give me a match so I can see where the gas is coming from. <laughs> Seriously, though, I, I had a plan for today, and just like my last sermon in the middle of the week, I had shared an idea with the staff on Tuesday, and one piece of that just stuck with me, and I felt that like the Lord just kept taking me back to it, and he took me in a different direction in the middle of this week. And so what, what I want to do in our remaining time together today is to, to tell a little story about me that I shared with our staff, and it's a story that I've come to see as a metaphor for our lives as followers of Jesus. And, and then what I want to do is I want to look at the scriptures and spend some time looking back and preparing to look forward. And then I'm going to end with a blessing over you. Sound good? You might not know this, but back in middle school and high school, I was a very good track and field athlete. I was especially good at two events, the shot put, which is a big, heavy ball of steel that you throw as far as you can, and discus, which is like a heavy frisbee. And I could throw them really far for someone my age. Uh, in seventh grade, the first year of middle school for me, I wasn't allowed to go to the track meets because the eighth graders had seniority. But uh, the last meet of the year, the eighth graders got in a food fight in the auditorium or in the cafeteria, and so I got to go. And at this thing, I got to go and I won medals in both events. It was a lot of fun. In high school, I continued to improve. I won dozens and dozens of medals. I'll come back to that uh, in just a second. But the thing you need to know is that throwing for distance, it's a lot of fun, but it's one of those events where you compete solo. You're not a part of a team. You're just out there throwing your guts out. No one's helping you. No one's holding your arms up. Either you're good enough or you aren't. And there's nothing anyone else can do about it. And it doesn't really take teamwork. The other thing is, it's sort of a peripheral event in track and field. You don't have the big crowds surrounding you as you're grunting and throwing heavy stuff around. But there was another event. The third event I was a big part of was a part of a relay team. And that's right, hard to believe, but I was also a sprinter. Not the fastest sprinter on the team, but I was definitely among the fastest of the guys who threw the heavy objects for distance. And there was a relay uh, it was called the sprint medley, and we called it the fat man's relay because it was staffed by the throwers. And usually a lot of those guys were big Missouri farm boys. It was usually the last uh, event of the, of the track meet, and it was a lot of fun. And the, the way it worked was to have four guys on a team, and the first one would grab this. You know what this is? Sorry, some of you thought this was what your parents used to discipline you as a child. This is not that. This is a baton. The first guy would grab a baton and he would crouch at the starting line. And when the gun went off, he'd run as fast as he could for a certain distance. And the next guy in the team would be waiting for him at the end of the leg. And when he approached, the new runner would take off running and put his hand behind his back. And he would wait until he felt the baton slapped into his hand. And then he would run as fast as he could. And he would go on and on for four people. And I was actually pretty fast. So quite often, I was the last of the four people uh, to run. Here's the thing, my, my parents, they only came to watch me one time out of all the countless meets that I competed in. And in the meet that they came to, I had won medals in both shot put and discus, but I didn't see them there, so I thought they didn't show up. And it came to be the last event of the night, the fat man's relay, and I was runner number four. The first three runners, they battled their guts out, but by the time the baton came to me, we were way behind, and there was no way 
I could win. But I started running. I felt that baton slap my hand, and I grabbed it, and I took off. And then I saw my parents as I came around the corner. The only track meet they ever came to. And they were standing there. And when I saw them, I realized they came to support me. And so I started sobbing as I was running because we were behind. And I saw them there. And I just felt this mixture of emotion. And just a side note for the runners out there, sobbing uh, not only looks awful when you're running, it does not enhance your performance. Just wanted to (laughs) throw that in case you're thinking about trying it this afternoon. Please don't do that. Anyway, I ran to the, the, the final curve. I saw my parents at the home stretch. I was running past hundreds of people, and they were cheering loudly as I went, even though I was really uh, far behind. Out of the corner of my eye, I could see them standing against the chain link fence, and they were screaming their heads off for me. It was a powerful moment that I'll never forget. You see, it's a beautiful picture of community, isn't it? These shot put in discus, they're these sort of off loner events. You don't really have to rely on others. But the relay, it's a race. It takes teamwork and dependence on others. It takes partnership and, and it takes building off of the faithfulness of those who've ran before you. And it's a great picture of how we cheer for one another as we labor together for the sake of the gospel. And as I've thought about what to say on my final Saturday or Sunday, there's a lot of things that I could say, a lot of things that could be my final words to this church. But I can't get past this section uh, in the book of Hebrews that illustrates what I think God is saying not only to me, but to South Fellowship in this time of transition, in this passing of the baton, if you will. And so I'm going to invite you this morning to turn in your Bibles or open your Bible app to Hebrews chapter 12. And what I want to do with the remaining hour and a half or so I have to share, uh, I'm kidding, it's only going to be 50, it's only going to be 55 minutes, uh, is I want to look at a few passages together and I want to contemplate the legacy that we all stand upon and where we're going and then I want to end with a prayer of blessing over you. The writer of Hebrews in this, in this section we're going to look at uses the race, the relay as a metaphor for the life and legacy of faith, and he gives us some things to consider as we run that race together. Look at Hebrews 12, starting in verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, remember, in the scriptures, when you see the word therefore, you need to pause and ask the question, what's it there for? Because we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Bless you. And we'll come back to that. But to really understand what picture is being painted here for us, we have to go back to Hebrews chapter 11. And this is commonly known as the, the Hebrews Hall of Faith. And that's the names of tons of people who lived the life of faith before us. And the writer of Hebrews starts uh, by giving us a definition of what faith is. In verse 1 of Hebrews chapter 11, it says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for, an assurance about what we do not see. Listen, this is what the ancients were commended for. This is fascinating to me because this is exactly what we see in the life of Jonathan, isn't it? He stood in this moment. Perhaps the Lord will act on our our behalf, resolve that Lord could do anything. See, faith is confidence in the hope in Jesus that that we have, and it's assurance about things that we can't see yet. And, And notice that he didn't say that these people were commended because of all the things that they did. 
because of how good they looked, because of their task list getting checked off. They did a lot of things for good in obedience to God, but the word is what? Faith. Then he goes on to share all kinds of names of people who lived in faith and what they did as a result of it. And I'm just going to plow through this really quick. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. We know that because of faith. By faith, Abel brought God a, power, a better offering than Cain, was committed as righteous, and still speaks even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. By faith, Noah, when warned about this, not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children. By faith, Abraham, when tested... Uh, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born to protect him. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He could have taken that sort of celebrity status. He didn't. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. By faith, he left Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell. By faith, the prostitute Rahab was killed. And listen, I think it's fascinating how he sort of ends with this. All of those people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. Does any phrase in those depictions of people stand out to you? By what? Faith. Faith. What does that mean? Well, it means they had confidence in what they hoped for. They had assurance of things unseen. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? Because they had faith, they were able to act boldly, even in the midst of scary circumstances. They were able to, to do things that were really powerful, not on their own account, but because of, they had faith. And it's easy to read a chapter like Hebrews 11 and, and kind of gloss over it because they look like superstars, and, and we can't really relate, can we? We see all these things that they did. I mean, these people were way ahead of where we are, aren't they? It's almost like we make celebrities out of Bible characters. But look at me and listen. Here's the deal. They were ordinary people, just like you and I. They were running the race of faith. Amen. So ordinary. Was Moses ordinary? Was Abraham, ordinary? Yeah, they were. They were people just like you and me. The issue isn't at all what they did. They did some things. It was their faith that set them apart. And some of us, maybe we naturally have faith, more faith than others. I, for one, I have the gift of faith. I just believe that God will move. I just see things sometimes that others don't see, and I just trust that God's got this. But the thing is, we all have the ability to have faith, to have confidence in God, to have assurance, to, to trust that God is at work and moving, and that God is inviting us into something he has planned for us. Now listen, all those names in Hebrews chapter 11, they're people just like you and me, going through their lives and simply choosing to have faith in God and to be obedient as a result of that faith. 
And guess what? Now we're heirs to their example. Remember, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, and scholars debate what does that mean? Does it mean that those folks that have gone before are watching us and cheering us on? Some believe that they are. Others believe it means that, that they fought the fight that they are the ones that we can witness to and say, see, they did it, and they did it, and they did it. And if they did it, therefore, then I have the same spirit of God within me, which means, therefore, what? I can do it, too. See, we're in the same exact race, friends, that they are, the same legacy of faith. And it's like they're recorded for us here so that we can see that they, they carried the baton. And every generation has passed the baton to the next generation. And then they join in the crowd, screaming their heads off, cheering for us as we seek to live by faith in the way of Jesus with the heart of Jesus. And you know, I just want to tell you, we don't do that by our own strength. It's not about effort. It's, it's the spirit of God within us that enables us to live in his way with his heart. And actually, we find ourselves in a, a really interesting place because not only do we take the baton from those people in Hebrews 11, where, where we are today in this church, in this building, because of the life of faith lived by those who have gone before us in this community. You know, South Fellowship, if you're newer with us, or even if you've been around a long time, you might not realize some of these things, but this church has a beautiful, rich history. I think of people like Carolyn Schmidt back there, one of my closest friends, who has been in this church, listen, since 1953. And she served in a bazillion ways since she was young here. Yesterday, she told me she was a career volunteer. <laughs> I think of those who had the courage in 1979 in this church to stand up for what they believed in. And in the process, they lost the building. They lost all of their assets, but they were undeterred. How many of you were around in those days? I know some of you were. Faithfully, they, they preached the gospel. They cultivated community. God's work grew and grew and grew. They met in schools and auditoriums and, and gathered in homes. I think of people like Bill Dale and others who were able to think outside of the box to help this church find a home in the early 1990s. And in fact, that home is this very unorthodox building that I'm standing in right now. And I think of the hundreds and thousands impacted on this campus for nearly 30 years because of the, the by-faith moments of those who went before us. I think of the prayer warriors in this room and those who are in heaven now with the Lord who have been on their knees for decades interceding on behalf of those in our midst, but also for those who would come someday. And do you realize, think about this, this gives me goosebumps to think about this. People like you and me, they weren't here yet. They were praying for us. And we benefit directly from their faithfulness in prayer. I think about those people who in faith started a food pantry, the king's pantry, started meeting the needs of people who needed some food. And, and I think about the fact that last week they had the highest um, crowd since COVID that we were able to serve. And the, I think it was something 50-something families and the hundreds of volunteers that have served in that ministry for years. I think of the young adult ministry that was thriving all those years ago, and several couples who are part of that are here today. They're now growing a bit seasoned. They have some gray in their hair, but they are still faithfully investing in this community. I think of those who had a heart for missions, that became missionaries because of what God was doing in the midst of this community. And here's what's really cool is some of their own children now are missionaries as well. I think of a church that's being willing to take risks all of those years to go unorthodox routes, to reach people, to love people well, to be a voice for truth and a light in the darkness for decades. 
And I think of all of you in the last year who stepped up and gave and served and loved people in the midst of a, a transition of leadership who selflessly gave of your time, your talent, your treasure to further the cause of Christ. I think of those of you who have went out of your way to invest in your neighbors. I think back to when COVID was first starting and people coming out of the woodwork to say, I'll take supplies to those who need it or who would say, I'll do anything I can to help. Just tell me where to go. These are heroes in our midst. But the beautiful thing about every single person that I just told you about is that they wouldn't want to be called heroes. They were just ordinary people, just like you and me, living a life of faith, sowing seed into a future they couldn't see, but they were confident in Jesus to use that seed for his glory. And South, listen, we have a tremendous legacy of those who have gone before us. And some who are still in our midst, who, who gave money and time and who had calloused knees for the cause of Christ. And what I'd love to do right now is just take a moment and honor those who've gone before us and paved the way for the road that we get to walk today. Could we celebrate and honor them today? <laughs> they are that cloud of witnesses. And I'm so thankful to have been a part of a community that runs the race of faith so faithfully. And today, we find ourselves at a point where there's a handoff in the race. Today is my last day as the interim pastor and the executive pastor. And next Sunday, Pastor Alex will be preaching for the first time. And that's one handoff. But maybe more importantly is the handoff that comes from the seasons that have come before and to the new season that's going to come. So what I want to do in the remainder of our time is I want to take a few minutes and I'm going to walk through the first two verses of Hebrews 12 to see what we can learn as we accept this new challenge in front of us, as we navigate this handoff, as we accept the baton. So let's dive in a little more. Verse 1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders in the sin that so easily entangles. Now, as we face this transition from one season to the next, we first, we need to remember and have gratitude for those who have gone before us. But the writer of Hebrews also gives us some really important advice so we can make the journey well. And if you want to win the race, you can't have a bunch of extra weight. You can't put 50 pound sack on your back and expect to win the race, can you? See, runners, it's kind of funny, even in wintertime, a lot of times they're wearing very minimalist clothing when they run. They don't carry too much with them so that they don't have extra weight to carry, so that they don't get hindered, so that they don't tire too easily. But some of us have things that hinder us from moving forward in a season of transition. Sometimes it's past hurts. Sometimes it's old ways of thinking. Sometimes it's carrying baggage around that we don't need to carry. Or sometimes it's sin in our life that entangles us. It's chipping uh, at our heels or it's wrapping itself around our legs and tripping us up and keeping us from being able to move forward. So one of the things I've been trying to do these last few weeks is to make amends for some things that I didn't do well or that hurt other people, even if I didn't mean to. And it's it's a humbling reminder that we're not always going to get it right in the life of faith. Look at David. He messed up a few times, didn't he? Look at Peter. He messed up a few times, didn't he? Look at yourself. You messed up a few times, didn't you? God still loves you. You were heirs to the righteousness of Christ. 
But those things that are upon us, we have to shed those things that, that we need to own it. And I wonder if sometimes as we move from one season to the next, as we prepare for the baton to be handed to us, if we need to take some time to reflect on hurts and hangups or outright sin that might keep us from stepping into this next season well. And I'm convinced that we have to surrender to Jesus anything hindering us from moving forward. Because the way you end one season will define how you enter another. I'm just going to say that again because I want you to hear me. The way you end one season will define how you enter another. And for all of us, surrender to Jesus involves uh, hindering us, getting everything to Jesus that hinders us from moving forward. So honor those who've gone before and surrender to Jesus anything that might keep us from moving forward into what God has next for us. Are you with me? All right, next he says, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. This is such a, a great reminder that we don't have to figure out where we're going at every minute. The life of faith is one that steps one foot in front of the other, staying in the lane on the path that God has already established for us. And Proverbs tells us that we plan our course, but it's God that determines our steps. How many of you have ever been redirected in life from where you thought you were going? See, we like to make our plans. That's real nice, isn't it? But God directs our steps. He's already determined what's next. He's with us every step of the way, but it takes perseverance. It takes resilience. It's hard sometimes to stay in the game. See, life is going to be tough sometimes, isn't it? And sometimes we can give up just because the going gets hard. Remember how I told you I was a great thrower in high school? Well, my junior year of high school, I moved back to my hometown and, and to a new school, and I joined the track team. And on my first day of practice, I outthrew the other guys on the team. And so the teammates were like, whoa, the new kid can throw. And they, coach, get over here and watch us. And the coach came, and he, he scoffed at me when I threw. And he goes, well, that's not the technique that I teach my kids. And I want you to use my way instead. And, and to be clear, you don't get points for finesse. You don't get points for how gracefully or whatever particular technique. There's a lot of different ways to throw a shot put. You get points for how far you throw the thing. But he made me throw his way, and so I tried to throw with his technique, and I didn't do very well. I threw under what everybody else was throwing. And he seemed really happy with that, and he said, see, he's not as good as he thought, is he? And I did something that I'm not proud of that day. I pounded his face into the ground in front of everybody on that team. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but believe me, how many nights have I laid in bed going, if only that would have made a great story. Uh, no, you know what I did? I quit. I'm not a quitter. I am not somebody that backs down from a fight. I don't give up. But I did that day. And I've regretted it every day since. You see, we're called to persevere in this race. The life of faith isn't easy. But God's called us by faith to put one foot in front of the other, even when it's hard. And listen, I get it, friends. 2020 has thrown us a curveball, hasn't it? We're like, let's just get to 2021 unless it's 2020 part two right? Let's just skip. The thing is, it's been a hard year. COVID has been really difficult on all of us, but listen to me. Don't give up. The Lord has been faithful. We're in a room together, having church. 
And I want to remind you that we're, we are in a season that it's not going to last forever. We're coming to the end of a season. And I believe that God is calling us to move forward. I am confident of that. So fight with the fight. Stick with the race. Persevere. Yes, there are changes happening in our midst. But God, listen, I just told you story after story of things that people had done as, a, as showing you God's faithfulness. And God has proven his faithfulness to this church over and over and over. And so have faith. And trust that God is up to something good. And so, South, I want to encourage you to be mindful of those who've paved the way for the road that we get to run on today. And I want to ask you to run the race with perseverance. But the next thing is probably the most important thing that I want to leave with you. And I want you to underline this in your Bible app. I want you to, or in your Bible, I want you to take a picture of the screen, whatever you need to do. But I want you to do this. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. See, listen, the way that you really shine in the run of faith is to have the goal in mind, to have the end in mind. And remember, faith is confidence that the end will happen, that the unseen will one day become seen. And listen, people lose the race for focusing on the wrong thing. I remember uh, my dad teaching me to drive when I was an early teenager. And he always told me, keep your eyes on the road. That's pretty good advice, isn't it? When I was in high school, I had this cute girlfriend and we were driving down the road. I'm driving 55 miles an hour. She reaches over to kiss me. It was a bit distracting, as you might imagine. Boring road, pretty girl, equals pretty girl wins. I took my eyes off the road. I started kissing her back because that's what you do. And the next thing I know, at 55 miles an hour, we are in a ditch and we are headed straight toward a bridge. I was able to get out of the ditch and back onto the road. And my heart was pounding like you wouldn't believe. And I tell you the honest to God truth, I have never tried to kiss my wife while driving. That's for sure. Listen, the race is not the object that we focus our attention on. The things we do or the things that we don't do or the things we do well or the things we don't do well, that's not the object of where we focus our attention. Our mistakes is not where we focus our attention. Our naysayers are not where we focus our attention on the race. Those things are easy to get distracted and to pay attention to, aren't they? But listen, Jesus is the one we fix our eyes on. He is the one who originates our faith. He's the author of it. He's the the pioneer of it, the perfecter of our faith. And it's the spirit that empowers us to walk in faith. And I'm so convinced that he's doing a great work in this church and that this next season will be an incredible season for South and also for this city. And the way that that's going to happen is by a group of people who run the the race faithfully building off of a legacy of those who've gone before, who shed those things that entangle them and listen, fix their eyes and their gaze on Jesus. Not on politics, not on human imperfections, not even on Alex, who although I think he's going to be such an incredible leader, you have no idea what you're getting. It's so amazing, the leader that God has brought to this church. And he's awesome. He's a great communicator of God's truth. But even all of that, he doesn't hold a candle to the face of Jesus. In this next season, as we step from one season to the next, not even gazing on how well you're doing or on what other people think of you, but on Jesus. 
my friend Caroline, as I mentioned, she gave me this book by Daryl Johnson on the Beatitudes, and I've been reading it. And there's this one page that I have marked and that I keep going back to. Um, it's been on my heart and my mind over and over. He said, blessed are those who have left behind the preoccupation with how well they're doing and are simply captivated by Jesus of Nazareth, for they are seeing God. <clears throat> captivated by Jesus of Nazareth. South, in my last sermon, I want you to know that's what I want for you more than anything else. Not do a bunch of stuff, not be rock stars, but just simply be captivated by Jesus of Nazareth. Imagine what happens in the community when we just put our eyes there and don't lock anywhere else. Many of you know the last couple of years that Jesus had wooed me in a way that's been unique to me. It's been intimacy that I've had that I've never experienced in my life. And I've just sensed his nearness so often. I can just almost visualize his faith. And I'm just mesmerized by Jesus of Nazareth and his kingdom. I still can't believe we get to partner with him in his kingdom come. And if you're not experiencing that right now, my biggest prayer is that you will uh, be drawn to him and that you'll be smitten by gazing upon his face. Keep your eyes on Jesus and run the race a step at a time. And I'm convinced that the kingdom will continue to break forth in this city and beyond. So a handful of things I want to leave you with. Honor those who've laid the groundwork for the race that you're running. Don't give up when things are hard. Stay the course. And above all else, always keep your gaze fixed on Jesus. Here's the thing. When running a relay and you're the next person to run, you start running before the next person gets close. And you don't turn around and look because that would slow you down. You just simply take off and you put your hand behind you, trusting that their faithfulness will be handed to you. And you feel that baton smack into your hand and you run like crazy. With faith, you trust that the baton will be stuck into your hand. And when you hand it off to the next generation, to the next person to do God's assignment, in faith, you trust that the spirit is pulling them forward and will use their work for his good glory. And listen to me, South Fellowship, look at me. This is the time for you to start running into the future with your hand behind you in faith that we stand upon all of those people for all those decades who built this church into what it is today. And you just say, Lord, in faith, I trust you're going to use me in this next season. And you just wait. And he will put the baton in your hand. And then I want you to run like crazy because you need to trust that the Spirit is leading and guiding you and this church on the path and that he wants to continue to use this church in powerful ways. And South, it's been the privilege of a lifetime to serve here. I am so proud of this church and this staff and the elders and the amazing volunteers and the people who call this church home. And you absolutely live out everything I just talked about. And I'm so grateful as a leader in this church to be able to stand on the shoulders of giants as I've served here. And it's been an absolute joy to partner with you for the sake of the gospel. And I didn't always get it right, but I tried my best. 
And I firmly believe that God has great things in store for South, that this is, this is today, the baton is handing off to this next chapter. COVID's going to be a distant memory. God's goodness is always going to be in the forefront because you as a church will keep your gaze fixed on Jesus of Nazareth. And as I pass the baton off to you and to Alex and to all those who come in the future, know that I'm going to be standing on the sidelines, screaming my head off, cheering for you as you seek to run the race to live the life of faith. And my prayer is simply that I'll hear all kinds of reports about how this church continues to impact people both inside and outside of these walls and around the world. I look forward to hearing about how you're loving your neighbors well and how many people around the world get to hear the good news of the kingdom because of your faithfulness financially and through taking trips. And who knows, maybe some of you listening today will even pack up and move around the world as ambassadors for Christ. I look forward to seeing how God will use the food bank and celebrate recovery and support groups in this church to meet people where they are in the early learning center to love families in this city well. And it's been such an honor to serve you and to partner with you and to link arms with you and to walk together through some great times and through some really hard times. And I'm grateful for all that I've learned from you. 100% this church has made me not only a better leader, but also made me fall more in love with Jesus because of your example. So South, continue being the amazing community you've been, staying open to whatever it is that God is leading in, welcoming people on the fringes and meeting the needs of anyone that you can, and above all, keep your gaze fixed on the beautiful face of Jesus. So I don't know what else to say other than thank you. And this isn't goodbye, it's see you later. One last thing. In Numbers chapter 6, God instructed Moses to give to Aaron, or Moses to give to Aaron and his sons this, this blessing to give to the people of Israel as they gave the priestly blessing. And I'm going to close my part by speaking this blessing over you one last time. So I'm just going to ask you to close your eyes. And to open your hands with your palms facing up, just in surrender to the Lord and your willingness to receive. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Lord, I'm so grateful for this church. Lord, you have such good things in store. Help them to run the race with the joy set before them. Help them to, to walk in faith and help them most of all, Lord, to keep their gaze fixed on you. And I ask all these things in the strong and the powerful name of Jesus. And for the last time together, we said, amen. If God is working in your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. 
You can give online at southfellowship.org/give or on the South Fellowship Church app. Thanks for listening, South Family. Have a great rest of your day.